In times of fear and doubt, chaos and question, we're the one true source for strength, safety, and certainty. Common men with uncommon passions to protect and serve, defend and preserve our family, our life, and our freedom. Founded on the key principle that we must become present, active, and engaged fathers, committed to lead, learn, and love ourselves and our family unconditionally, willing and able to take action against the resistance with honor and integrity by creating the daily discipline necessary to build our body, strengthen our minds, and expand our spirit. Committed and dedicated men who forbid the past to define their current reality. I am that man. My name is Luke Kayam. I am a father of the future. Welcome to the Fathers of the Future podcast. I am here with my man, Jorge Aragon. Well, let me have you do it, man. The way you did it in the pre-show was badass. Jorge Luis Aragon Sierra. Oh, man. I'm with my brother. And uh, this is the first guest we have ever had on this show who is not officially a father yet. But before I tell the story of how this man and I... uh, introduced ourselves and became really, really close friends about eight years ago, you are getting married tomorrow and you are having a baby in September. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. Looking forward to that. So that's why you're on the show today uh, as the first pre-father, actually as the first father of the future, my brother. Super excited to have you on the show. It's been a long time coming. And you've been a part of everything in my life for the past eight years. As we talked a little bit, put some pen to paper. You want to tell the story how we met? Yeah, man. I love it. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so we first met. Luke Luke was the uh, coordinator, the, the founder of Sick Fit back before I even had heard of it. Uh, the first big competition for fitness and... Uh, competitive fitness before I even knew there was there were local competitions and uh, I, I met a friend in college 18 years old who was doing a competition and it was called Sigis of the Southwest I had heard I had not heard of it before and found out unfortunately there were no more spots available so I just had to go cheer and support my dude when I got there there was a little side competition and at that side competition it was just max double unders jump rope for two minutes i won got 100 bucks reinvested that to train at something called hell night 12 hours of hell and when i showed up the next week it was luke it was at his gym i had just seen him walking around at the gym at the competition like badass dude with the tattoos how do i get to know that guy and uh showed up and Got my ass kicked for 12 hours straight for the first time met him. And after that, I knew I wanted to continue the relationship, learn everything I could. Yeah. So, you know, Goggins is doing a four by four by 48. We, we, were, we were doing, you know, eight years ago, we were doing all night events and experiences. And uh, we always wanted to push the, the envelope and really do things that differentiated us in the business and in the marketplace. But... I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about, you know, this dude walking into the gym, 18 years old, small little Hispanic man. <laughs> he was a young kid at the time. I think he had facial hair then, man. And uh, you were like, yeah, I'm going to go to the CrossFit Games and I'm going to kick your ass. 
And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and our man, Derek Price, shout out to, to D Price, um, had brought you in because you were training with him. Derek has, has done a lot of um, PT training in this arena and a lot of triathlons. And we, we've had him on the, the show before. But I was just intrigued by your determination. And, and so, you know, that was early in your career. You did make it to the CrossFit Games. You did compete at the highest level in that sport. But let's talk about new shit. And so last week, a week ago today, we ran down the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Hour and 40 minutes. Let's talk a little biohacking. Your knee, you, you've just recently come off of massive reconstructive knee surgery. Mm-hmm. And that was a test. Mm-hmm. I've never ran it that fast. I've never ran down. I've been in the Grand Canyon 10 times, never ran down, never ran down in under two hours. How'd you feel? It was awesome, man. It was beautiful. Um, you know, you were ahead of me, even though like you slipped a couple times at the beginning. It's <laughs> uh... a nice way of saying I fell hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I last year in March, I dislocated my knee ruptured my ACL, tore the MCL, LCL, and meniscus. And um, during that time, I had just really started learning more about biohacking. You know, I I was always into the cold water as an athlete, uh, had just really gotten into breath practice and, you know, learned some of the natural stuff. But after my knee injury, luckily around that time, we'd gotten into the technology with my family uh, that we had in the clinic. And my first thought was like, oh man, my knee just like got huge. Immediately after the injury, huge inflammation, huge swelling. And I was like, okay, I know how to deal with inflammation. So I had to go to the technology. I didn't know how bad this was. I knew I couldn't walk. I knew I wanted to cry. And um, I didn't know I was supposed to go to the emergency room, get an emergency surgery. So I just went straight back to the office, started using the technology on it. And um, over the next week at going to the doctor's office uh, to get it And we're going to touch on technology in in a little bit later, but to the listener who doesn't know you or your story, Mm. technology in this sense, meaning therapy Mm -hmm. and and multiple therapeutic channels to recover and, and help do what you can to the damage that was already there. So this was an instant. This was not chronic. Correct. What were you doing? Uh, so I got into parkour for a little while. That's the running, jumping, flipping, climbing uh, on outdoors, non, <laughs> non-constructed for that kind of stuff. And uh, just when Corona virus caused all the closures, I got out of the padded gym I had been training at for two months and started going out with the coaches. Um, I had just learned how to do side flips and stuff, still barely learning the basics. And it was just the end of a, of a, like at the end of a workout session, I tried one that, that even the coach who'd been training it for eight years was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. Cause that's a little high. That's a lot of impact and I'm tired. I was like, oh, I can do it. <laughs> so I tried like two more times. And that second time I just I had bad instinct, pulled my leg back instead of pushing it forward to land on the ledge. So I landed hyperextended while I was kind of twisting and just heard a huge pop. I was looking down, saw my knee in a different position it's never been in. 
And I was like, that's not supposed to be that way. So just kind of jumped forward, jumped over the ledge I was supposed to land on and bent the knee, rolled and twisted some more. And that's where like first the ACL popped and then the other stuff started popping along with that. So uh, that was the injury where I feel like kind of going a little all over the place. It, that was the injury. And following that, I didn't know how bad it really was. I knew it was bad. It was the worst injury I'd felt ever in my life. Um, and this technology that that I had started using little less than a year previous, I knew it was really good for healing injuries. I knew it was very good for inflammation, bringing more blood to the area of, of injury. And that's the technology that I'm talking about. So I went straight to that. And uh, it was definitely a blow because I had just started feeling good about getting physical again. I had gone through like a really low period after uh, ending my CrossFit career and trying to focus all on business where I grew up my whole life saying I'm never gonna be a businessman. And uh, just had started getting back into something fun, something that was getting me out and physical again and blew my knee. Um, so I went through definitely a hard week of like depression after that, but uh, realizing that I was gonna be okay in the long, in the long run. Uh, and you opted for a certain type of surgery. Can you, can you yeah. explain, give us a, because I heard you say that in, in the van back from the canyon last week, mm. and I wasn't paying too much attention, <laughs> but I heard it. And so can you go just a little bit deeper, why you chose option A versus option B? Again, for the men that are listening here, for everyone listening, this is about uh, constant improvement. And so we're not just health or fit gurus here. Uh, we're talking about how the, the body must perform at the highest possible level in order for the mind to run and operate at the exact same level. And when there's a deficiency in your movement patterns, in your health, especially when you're an athlete and you're used to it, it'll play some serious fucked up mind games on you. And so if you're listening to this, regardless of your level of fitness, right, you're, you're somebody who, you know, you, you want to lose weight and get healthy. You got to constantly be, let's use it again, biohacking this thing to improve and improve overall, not just in one or two areas. Mm -hmm. So I've never had a massive injury like that. I've got a couple of little, you know, staples, if you will, some patches, but that shut you down for the first time in your life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. First time I've ever been uh, at a point where I couldn't, couldn't walk. Um, so, you know, being on crutches and one thing I want to touch on too, we're talking about biohacking. And I know that when I first when I'm talking to people about biohacking, I want to make sure you understand it's not just a cheat, right? It's not, you're not trying to uh, skip the line, right? You're, you're having to go through the work, but with biohacking, it is something that is a multiplier of the results of, of what you're doing. And, and if I can give a definition at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, this is from Dave Asprey, uh, founder of Bulletproof. I just made a cup. Been, been drinking it for about four or five years now. First saw Dave speak at a Tony Robbins event and he actually introduced himself as a biohacker. And I mm. thought the same thing. Oh, well, you know, what does that even mean, right? And so it's it's been a few years of really investigating. I got a book of Ben Greenfield on my desk. We talk about him all the time as well. 
going deep into the understanding of what it is we're speaking about so that you can seek and search out your own formula. And so Dave's definition of biohacking is the art and science of changing the environment around you and inside of you so that you have full control over your own biology. Beautifully said. Badass, stated. right? Yeah, like, okay. Beautiful. Okay. Clear. All right. So, um, with that, I knew that, you know, speaking of, you know, changing your environment externally, internally, I knew I couldn't get into the gym and just work upper body. I knew that um, I obviously couldn't work my lower body. So what was I going to have to do? I was going to have to work on the internal, the stuff that doesn't really require much of my physical movement. And so it started with just breathing that was the first thing that I really got to. And there's so many different ways to do it, right? There's one thing I will tell people just to give you a little a little cheat sheet on the breath biohack, right? There are four parts of your breath. There's the inhale, the holding the breath in. There is the exhale, and then holding the breath out. Those are the four parts. And so the first biohack that I did to get my mind, because like I said, I had, I was in a very low place, but by doing this breath work, I was able to let go of the anxiety that I felt from not being able to move like I had used to. And um, being more dependent and asking for more help and just moving slower. And so the breath practice that I started with was just the box breath. Try to keep all four parts of that breath equal. The inhale for four seconds, hold in for four seconds. Exhale for four seconds, hold the air out for four seconds. Doing that for two to five minutes at a time and you just, time, time slows down and speeds up almost. Like you've got more focus, you've got clarity and you are able to just think clearly on the object in front of you, what you're trying to do. So starting with that, that along with just waking up early, waking up early, doing that, doing small sets of little things that I could, push-ups or leg lifts, um, you know, anything that obviously didn't work, didn't overwork me, but just get it moving again. So that was that was the beginning of the the natural biohacking stuff to get my mind right. And then this, these two option surgeries, one mm, one right. has a longer re recovery. Explain those, please. Yeah. So there was uh, so I tore the ACL completely ruptured. So like that's one of the four ligaments under the knee that, that attaches the top bone to the bottom two bones, the femur to the tibia and fibula. And with that, when I ruptured it, you get, there's a couple different places you can take a graft from. You can take it from your meniscus, uh, sorry, not the meniscus, from the patella, which is right like under the kneecap. Um, you can take it from a cadaver or you can take it from the hamstring. And so I chose to take it from the hamstring because first of all, the muscle was healthy. The muscle had been trained and, um, you know, I think that was the biggest thing actually that the surgeon told me that because of training history, 
that hamstring graph would be the uh, overall the best future recovery um, because it was going to be a very, very small impact on the huge tendons uh, in the hamstring. Uh, for the patella, it's something that really changes the patella when you take that graft. And um, although the patella does seem to like be quicker at first, uh, overall long-term, the hamstring uh, is what brings it, what can really bring it back to the closest to normal, the closest to original. So that's what I chose to go with, trusted the surgeon on that. And uh, yeah, he was extremely happy with how the surgery turned out as I have been as well. By the way, very rare words for somebody who understands Eastern and, and Western medicine and what most doctors are, are, you know, wanting to do on you. So that, that, that's powerful. And so the recovery has gone well, clearly. Yeah. 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 I saw you squatting the other day. Uh, I think you, your recovery squats of five were more than my max, uh, ever was, but you know, <laughs> it's all good. Um, so from a physical fitness standpoint, uh, your first major injury of your, of your lifetime competing at a high level. Again, when I first met you at 18, I saw your warm up, and I remember like, you know, slapping my chest and, and drinking, you know, a pre-workout and then hitting it and you were you know foam rolling using therabands you were going through your series and that goes back to your days playing soccer right of being able to warm yourself up track. and train track mm -hmm. track so now you're getting older and it's already shifting right mm -hmm. because of this injury in some ways right you're you have alternative programming right mm -hmm. here that's happening yeah so um with the warm-ups i mean I can tell you that doing all of that is for injury prevention. When I didn't do that, I got injured. And that's, you know, injury is something that happens at every level of the sport, of any sport. But, uh, you know, the people who last the longest, and this is something that I learned very early on in my competitive fitness career was that the one, the people who are going to make it the furthest in the competition are the ones who can last the longest without quitting or getting severely injured. Mm. So I knew I wasn't going to quit. So I had to do everything I could to not get severely injured. And um, when, even when you're, you know, 18, trying to lift the heaviest weights that you can, if you have a short, you know, you have a short history still at that point. I mean, me, I started lifting at, heavy at 15. So three years is like decent, but trying to max and lift heavier every week, you know, that puts a lot of, a lot of stress on the body. And, uh, the pre warm up, it was literally like a pre warm up, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we call it prehab. When I was coaching at ASU for a little while, prehab is what you do. So you don't go have to go to rehab, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's just simple. It's really mostly, uh, core exercises, uh, activating the central nervous system and getting flexibility along with stability. People just think like, yeah, I just, just need a stretch. Actually, how long can you stand on one foot? Um, and you know, so that's your stability as well. Just an example. Hot yoga, by the way, stability and flexibility mm -hmm. has been the 
probably greatest improvement in my overall health, physically and mentally, mm. and sometimes even emotionally. You know, to be able to stand through that, to be able to hold a position for 60 seconds, knowing you can just put your arms down. And as you know, as a, someone who's not only coached and trained multiple crucibles, but also been in one, we have a four minute evolution to hold your arms over your head. And that's one of the hardest four minutes of the day. Yoga has taught me to hold those positions and get past once the physicality is over the mentality, right? So let's talk about mentality mindset, right? Mm -hmm. This, this, this sort of all encompassing work that you're doing. And you, you say family business um, in, a, in a very beautiful way. Me understanding your dynamics, your, your mom uh, as a doctor, your dad um, as a engineer, hacker, engineer <laughs> hacker right? Um, and then you in this kind of in-between space. You know, it's really cool. The family business is, is universal healing and wellness. And uh, again, it's a lot of biohacking that you guys do there. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you said something earlier about the Eastern and Western philosophies. I think this is so awesome because it's the Western technology with Eastern philosophy. And um, just simply recognizing the fact that our bodies will respond to our environment and that we, with technology, can manipulate the external internal environment and then you know in that way respond or uh, manipulate or or choose how our body responds to that so um, my mom is the doctor internal family medicine uh, name of her business but actually funny story of a little background here is when uh, when we actually started this i was into yoga and cryotherapy that was my my biohacking to help me move forward in in competitive fitness and my mom hated the cold so um but one time she went with me to the cryo and she saw they had the red light therapy there and when when the owner explained what red light therapy really did what the concept was behind it how it affects the mitochondria how it signals the chromophores in our body to absorb light to re in, uh, increase healing, reduce uh, inflammation. She was like, okay, this is, this is the real thing. And so we went from cryo to red light therapy. My dad being the engineer, he is the one that did all of the research, looked at all the different machines, everything that's out there. And he chose the best of the best. So we put that in the clinic and for me at that point, I was like, well, I just finished competing. I'm not an athlete anymore. I don't really need to lose weight and I'm not in pain. And, uh, I, for the first year we had it, I wasn't, I wasn't really using or maximizing it. And it wasn't until I got to the point of just complete burnout. I, after stopping my, uh, fitness competitions, I, I got to the point of, not really being able to stay awake during the day. I was just so tired and not even really able to sleep at night. Just I, I couldn't stay asleep. I took me forever to fall asleep and I would try and lift and my muscles would cramp up. And that's just kind of the point I was at. And I was you know, eating crappy, drinking crappy. And 
it was just one technology that is the least um, the least in your face. Like red light therapy obviously shines super bright. Cryotherapy, you're super cold. Vibrations shaking your whole body. But this one was in electromagnetic field. You don't feel it. You're not supposed to feel it. You're supposed to start at the lowest level. And in less than two weeks using it, I completely, completely lost all those feelings of burnout. I was able to wake up at 5 a.m., stay awake all day, fully energized, barely have to blink. And when I laid down at night, I hit the bed and I was out. When I started lifting, I didn't cramp up anymore. And that may have been a symptom of going from four to six hours of training per day to four to six, maybe four hours a week. And, um, you know, it was a hack. That technology was the hack that got me feeling amazing and, and starting again. Started up again and I was like, I'm not going to compete. I'm going to do parkour. So I got into parkour then, and that was going great. We were bringing people in to use this technology at the same time, but then COVID happened. We stopped having as many people coming in for our weight loss program with the technology. And I wasn't able to go to the gym anymore, went out to the parks, got injured. So we had, I was injured. We had less people coming in for the weight loss program. And I realized that the people who were still coming in were just like me. They had been injured or they had some sort of a hard time healing from something that had ailed them for a lot longer than what I had been through. And as I had more and more people coming in saying, my God, I've been suffering with this for one year, five years, 10 years, 40 years, people had been suffering with pain. And with this biohacking technology, we were able to get them out of pain almost within two or three sessions. And that was the beginning of when we changed the business where I really, really dove in and started bringing it to you, to the community and sharing how it can help heal. And I, for a long time, I didn't want to talk about my story because I felt like such an idiot, but um, it, it, it's, it's real, right? And so I, I say this all the time, uh, I am my first client, right? And so you're, you're not only your first client, you're uh, the most important one, because if it doesn't work on you, if it doesn't help heal you, how's it going to help heal someone else? And so you use the term uh, electromagnetic field, EMF. Talk to us about that, mm. because I'm, I'm a huge fan, clearly, with sound healing, mm. uh, with um, natural uh, sunlight, with... Um, a lot of these sort of really basic um, ways to improve your day, right? Mm -hmm. Hydration. That's like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we just pop some $3 bottles of water, right? Yeah. And most people are like, why are you buying that? You got purified water right there. You got tap water. It's like, okay, look, uh, I want to take advantage of every possible improvement in my life. Mm -hmm. And so hydration, most people are walking around chronically dehydrated. If they are drinking water, they're drinking too much water and that water has no power in it, has no pH level. And so maybe they're taking some electrolytes or some sea salt, but most people aren't doing any of those things. It's just good old fashioned ice water. And if they drink a couple glasses a day, they feel good about it. But you've made this your life's mission, your obsession. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you're really, really teaching now. EMF, I'm, I'm hearing more and more about it. Walk us and guide us through that and, and how that helps heal. So electromagnetic field, EMF, 
there is an electromagnetic field that comes from your cell phone, that comes from your computer. And those are very, very high powered electromagnetic field. They receive, they, and they send signals out to satellites, to towers, all this stuff, right? That's what can be kind of damaging. And that's very, very powerful. But there's also electromagnetic field coming from your heart, an electromagnetic field coming from your brain, electromagnetic field that comes from the earth. And when we get those in tune with each other, when we get our, our mind and our heart in tune with the earth, that's called grounding. And I know you talk a lot about that. And, you know, I didn't really, I didn't even consider grounding to be a biohack until I started using the technology. And I realized, like you said, there are so many natural ways to do it. The thing is, it's, it's almost like people don't do it because it's slightly inconvenient, right? Waking up early to get the best rays of the sun, uh, taking your shoes off and walking through the grass or through the dirt, jumping, you know, in, in the rocks because it's, it's dirty and getting in cold water because it hurts and I hate it, right? And, and the beautiful thing with, with those is that it, it truly immediately will have an effect on your mood, on your focus and clarity of mind. And if you do it consistently, you will consistently be elevating your performance in whatever it is, elevating the way that you think, the way you respond to obstacles that come up in your life, the way that you, you know, when you have an injury and you can quickly stimulate healing or you have a just traumatic emotional experience quickly stimulate your mind and your heart getting past that so um with electromagnetic field the one that i'm i'm telling you about that that completely changed my energy levels and this is one that has been that began in germany has been studied for over 20 years now uh, the Beamer. So I'm just putting it out there. There are many different technologies and the way I look at it with the technology, just, you know, having my dad be who he is, we've always gone for the best of the best, what's been most studied. And some of these are patented. So they have unique signals, unique um, power and frequencies. And so that's, you know, that's what we've opted for. But there are natural ways, like you said, Luke, that People can do this just at home. Yeah, I just spent two days in Glendale, uh, barefoot, in board shorts, drinking that expensive $3 a bottle uh, spring water with my shirt off, uh, loving life. Yeah, how and do you feel? In my own world, with my book, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm here with my nephew. My son's playing football, and my nephew's here. He's living with us because there's no football in California. And, mm. you know, he's got his phone in his hand. And so I'm giving him shit every couple minutes. He's like, Uncle Luke, you know, you're kind of weird. You're, you're weirder than everybody out here. I'm like, I know. You got to be fucking weird if you want to live a high performance life. And you don't give two shits about it. What anybody else thinks about you because I'm staring directly at the sun, barefoot, fasted, drinking really, really clean, good water. And so those little things like that, that's education. Mm -hmm. let alone coaching and technology, you're integrating this all 
in into one package, if you will. And so let's let's take a moment to talk about uh, the crucible, mm-hmm. as you know. The story you told in the very beginning about how we met. Well, okay, well, let me continue telling it. Uh, Jorge came on board and went through our Sick Fit coaching program uh, as we were teaching coaches how to how to operate not only a successful business but a successful class. And uh, he started coming in, and I think you said you were you were scraping the walls. Uh, you yeah, were, you were razor blading the <laughs> razor walls. Razor blades. Yeah. When, when we shifted from CrossFit to Sick Fit. And, um, and then eventually you became a coach and then eventually the fitness director and and you ran our programs until we sold the gym in 2016. And then when I decided to do an experiential based coaching program, you're the first person, you know, that came to mind. And so you've done, I want to say at least 15 crucibles, maybe 20. And you came to me a little over two years ago and said, Hey, I think this would be really good for my dad. And so we're talking about fatherhood and, and we're, your dad is a very unique man and I love him to death, but I said, that's cool, but you can't let him do it. And you coach him, you got to do it with him. Uh And so you and your dad, uh, did the crucible together. (laughs) It was pretty intense. Fathers of the future too. Uh, and you know, one of the things we do now, um, aside from build the bond of father and son or, or, or son and father or kids or whatever it is that these men are coming in for, is, is we use your facility to go and get some data. And data is really important when you're looking at progress, right? What, what you don't track or what you don't measure, you know, can't be an outcome. You need to know where you're at. Most people are walking around with their weight at best. Maybe somebody gets body fat. And so again, if we're looking at the highest possible level of of achievement and becoming a high performer, we want to have the tools that will allow us to see the current reality. And you have a couple machines that we use Mm -hmm. where we can get a three-dimensional reading of not only... It's one of my favorite tests out there, Uh, again, because... You know, it's really hard to explain all the different markers. I'm going to let you do it. But the two markers that I show the guys who come, you know, men who are between 30 and 50, you again, you are unique, but we show them their metabolic age Mm -hmm. and their visceral fat reading. Mm -hmm. And to me, those are the, the keynotes of longevity of life. It's surprising when someone realizes that they're actually older than their true age and that they have a shit ton of fat around their organs. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that scan and what it does. So uh, that scan is called a, it's the, the, the pardon me, Tanita. Tanita is a way to measure not only body fat, muscle, uh, it also measures water, bones, your metabolism, uh, like you said, visceral fat, metabolic age. And I, uh, along with you, Luke, I, I tell people that awareness is the first step to solving any problem. And uh, becoming aware of more, a few more details, more than just your weight, is going to be incredibly important to, to gosh, give you, give you more areas to improve. 
when people come to us and their metabolic age is 15 years older than their current age, you know, some people are freaked out. They're scared about that. And I've had people who are 60 years old, you know, come and their metabolic age is 75. Or even people coming at 70, their metabolic age is 85, right? And that's scary. Uh, but it is another way that you know you can improve. And it's, it's really very simple. It's improving your metabolism, which can be a hormonal thing, but fasting is one great way to improve your metabolism. Obviously, exercise, drinking plenty of water. And uh, the visceral fat, that is... Well, a, before we go into visceral fat, why don't you share, as a 28-year-old, what your <laughs> metabolic age is so that they understand where the fuck you're coming from. My metabolic age is 14. <laughs> uh, carry on. Okay. So, um, yeah, the metabolic age being younger than your age just is a sign that uh, your metabolism is working well. You are uh, carrying a healthy amount of visceral fat. Um, but, you know, people, I want to move on to visceral fat because I think that you know, people understand it better when I put it this way, that body fat percentage is going to be more about how you how you look, right? You drop your body fat percentage from 30 to 20, you went from obese to uh, normal weight. 20 to 20% 20 to 10%, you went from normal weight to shredded. 10% to 7%, you're like on stage competing. And that's a very, very short time frame. Right, that you're at being at seven, six, five percent, like not that's sustainable. No, that'll that'll last for about a day or two, right? Unless that's all you do and you don't do literally anything else. So visceral fat is a great way to help someone who's who's not really so focused on the look, but focus on the health. And visceral fat, if you just think of the word viscera, that is your organs. So it's visceral fat is the fat that's surrounding your organs and there are there are quick ways to improve that and and uh, i tell people that the lower your score is on your visceral fat the longer you're going to live the lower your body fat percentage score is that just tells me maybe if we can see your six pack right or how big your belly might be but Again, visceral fat is more for longevity and for just overall your metabolism, metabolic age. It's more related to that. Clear. Yeah, those are the two markers that, that I'm showing. Hydrations, I love that to be able to show, you know, mm. water content. Mm. Um, that's huge. It also shows a three-dimensional video or scan, which shocks the fuck out of people when oh, they yeah. see it the first time. It's like, motivating. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, inside of this training experience, we have to shine a light and expose the gaps of a lot of the men that are coming. Um, we've got a really big group coming up here in April. And that's one of the first things that we're going to identify is what is their starting point? Not where they think they're at, mm -hmm. not what the scale says, right? Again, mm -hmm. the more things we can track, the more improvements we can have. I love that. You talk about mindset, 
You talk about mentality, lifestyle, habit-based nutrition. I'm sorry if I could just interrupt. One last thing about the measurements, yeah. like starting, you got, you know your starting point, but you also got to know where your progress is heading. Um, people say, yeah, I'm drinking more water. Yeah, I'm exercising more. Maybe I'm eating less. Okay, come back and take the measurements again after you started and see what direction the change that you made is taking you in. And if it's positive, then good, keep it going. If it isn't making a positive change, then you know it's not working, you gotta change something again. And you know that can be scary sometimes if people say like, it took me this long to start making a change, but then you know, I made a change and it didn't work. You know, and even for a coach, sometimes that can be like, oh shit, like I gotta make them see something positive out of this. But that's the thing, you gotta look at the reality not just what you are imagining or hoping. And so that's, again, comes back to awareness, uh, first step in solving any problem. Which is why it's probably so hard to track meditation and mindset, mm. the way that you can track hydration and BMI and, and you know training age. Um, when we talk about the being side, it's so much harder to actually create quantifiable scores or improvements. Yeah, You either are or you aren't. You either know how or you haven't learned yet. I can tell you a way that I would I would measure that. Yeah. Uh, I would say the the benefits of your meditation should be your response to things. And in your ability to quickly detach or to find a a, a center of calm. And you know, if you've been practicing meditation for a week, that like you you will notice that that has improved. But if you practice meditation once over the last week, you'll notice that none of that improved. Um, and funny enough, there's a really good technology that you haven't tried yet that I want you to try. <laughs> uh, I still got a rage monster in me. Uh, you know, uh, for somebody who really focuses on the mind and the space and the calm, man, you know, I see that snap and I'm sure there's a few guys out there that can identify with that. You know, we try to see the triggers and then be able to, oh shit, I'm going down the rabbit hole, right? Let me respond versus react. Let me breathe versus yell. Mm. But having kids, Jorge, will <laughs> definitely throw some things at you. Let's go fatherhood now. All right. Okay. You're about to be a dad for the first time. Well, first of all, you're getting married tomorrow. Yes, sir. And for somebody who had a shotgun wedding and my wife was pregnant when we made the decision to get married, it's extremely important for nobody else on the fucking planet but you and your wife and your baby. That's what it boils down to. All that other shit, you know, I had a fucking ice sculpture with Jägermeister pouring out of it. <laughs> That, that was a $5,000 expense that I didn't need. Hmm. The most important thing is you and your wife and the baby. And so I'm really excited that you're getting married. Courthouse marriage? Yeah, we're going to go yeah. get the license, but we're actually having the officiator come to the same mountain where I had proposed to her. Yeah. And so we're going to be on top of the mountain at sunset. I told her I wanted to see the last sunset of 2020 with her and took her up there. And that's where I proposed now we're doing sunset to uh to get that thing really sealed yeah and and your life has already began you're living together 
mm-hmm. baby's due in September. Yep. Yeah. And so a lot of this work is now going to come to uh, the tests, right? Mm-hmm. And so we talk about the different phases of fatherhood. You're in the, I would say, um, the phase of being able, I, I would say you're still in freedom phase. Like there's still Definitely. a lot of freedom in, in yeah. this, right? To take you away from your family um, on a Sunday and come do a podcast where we're not on a time schedule. Those days are numbered, brother. <laughs> As I, I told it. you I in the, the precast, I, everybody's gone here. Yeah. And I'm celebrating because it's a unique experience to get solitude when you have a busy home. Mm. And it's a beautiful thing, but at the exact same time, your mind and your individualism is unique to you. And when you have a child or multiple children and a wife, there's a lot of other moving pieces. And those pieces are, are not in your control, however mm-hmm. they are in your responsibility. Hmm. Yeah, and I know that, uh, you know, maybe when the baby comes waking up early again, we'll have another obstacle to it, uh, especially the first year, first year, two years. Um, but I mean, I, <laughs> I already get woken up by the dog. He got used to waking up early. So yeah, I got my little buddy there, but, um, yeah, with solitude, I, like you said, I'm, I'm lucky right now. I do have freedom. I'm able to, you know, this morning I got up early, took the dog for a hike, came back. My, uh, fiance, soon to be wife was already headed out to her mom's house. So I got an extra 30 minutes there before I had to head out driving home. You know, I, I luckily I've been able to find those little spe- uh, pieces of time that I can really make work. What would you say you are most excited about in your future fatherhood journey? Mm. Most excited about the play. I love playing <laughs> um, when Jess, my fiance, soon to be wife, when I first met her and started hanging out with her, it was really her her whole like focus of love was on her nephew. And that was lucky for me because I got to I got to enjoy playing with him, you know. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. I don't know yet if it's gonna be a boy or a girl. Um, but I usually, the boys are the ones who tell me, come on, Hori, let's go play. So I don't know how it'll be with the girl, but, um, yeah, we had WrestleMania here yesterday and I ripped my shirt off from upstairs and told him you, you two boys, you got 30 seconds, get whatever (laughs) weapon you can, no knives. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was a beat fest, man. But You're right. That's the that word play. I've said it a few times on this podcast. That's a key word indicator for me to stop what I'm doing and pay attention. Especially now with teenagers. When one of them says, Hey dad, can you play? Can we play? Can I go play? That's okay. Those those days are numbered. Hmm. And so we hmm. have to play hmm. as adults. We can't get away from that. Yeah. So next question. What are you most afraid of in your future fatherhood journey? 
uh, most afraid of becoming complacent. I don't want to take anything for granted. Uh, I don't want to ever uh, get to a point where I think none of it matters. I think that's like when I, you know, just a stupid example here. I threw my iPhone yesterday. I just took two years paying $40 a month, you know, to pay it off. It just got paid off last month. And I just chucked it to the ground because it wasn't working. Rage monster. So I'm like... You know, I don't want to ever, ever let that, let that happen with my kid or my wife. Clear. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Uh, Short-term memory. I know you've been on enough Universal Brotherhood Mastermind calls to know when we say that. You know, let go of the fact you broke your phone, right? Mm Because if you carry that emotional negativity with you into the next day, or the next chapter, or the next moment, now you're reliving something in the past that doesn't serve you. Mm. And so I have one more question for you. Mm. The question we asked just about everybody on the show is if today was your last day, what would you want your, your, your son or your daughter, or your children to know about you? And so we're not gonna ask you that because mm. your future child is not here. We're gonna ask you a question that if you were to look back on your life 40 years from now and your son or daughter is, is a grown up, what are some of the key lessons that you would like to, to know that they took from you and who you are? I would like them to, first of all, find something inside of themselves that they can align their actions to every day of their life. They align their choices with. And the reason I say inside of themselves is because, you know, my, to me, when I was a kid, alignment was be aligned with my religion. And now that's a little different for me, but, you know, I want before, you know, as I teach them about God, as I teach them about health, I want them to find within themselves the thing that they really want to be aligned with. So I would say that's one, alignment. Uh, And then, gosh, the values of gratitude and patience. What'd you write on your gratitude sheet? Share that. Um, Okay, I... I wrote that I'm very grateful for my friends, for family, love, knowing God, pushing and challenging myself, taking steps and making decisions when the future is unclear. And I think those are some of definitely right there, you know, things that they, I would want them to have learned that friends, you know, the family that they can choose and you are the average of the five people who you hang out around the most with. Family, uh, I will make sure they know we're always going to be there and never, never going to leave, even if you want them to or not. Love, um, just all the different forms of it. You know, even the ones that are, you know, sometimes put to shame. Uh, and then the ones that are just the most whole you know, the form of love of just unconditional love. Uh, Knowing God, 
you know, finding him within yourself, finding him out in the world and finding him or her, whatever you want to call God, uh, in the other people, the person right in front of you. Uh, I want them to push and challenge themselves because uh, that's something that I really had to learn. I didn't, I wasn't in the environment for like my parents were, you know, uh, immigrants coming from another country, barely able to speak the language, losing all of their support. Uh, so, you know, ha I want my kids to not lose that as, you know, the generations uh, continue. Then this last one, taking steps and making decisions when the future is unclear. And that's just because that's where I'm at right now. Trust the process. Trust the process. Show up. Don't quit. Do the work. Yeah. Lead with love. Jorge, you you are going to have to come back on this uh, show here a little <laughs> later this year once your, your newborn child comes. I just want to let you know I truly appreciate you, brother, uh, as a friend, um, as an associate, um, as a client, as a brother, and as another human being, man. You know, I've never had a bad experience with you, and that's a pretty cool thing to say even in the darkness even on the barbell uh, even when shit doesn't go right on the mountain <laughs> i've never had a bad moment with you and that just speaks volumes about your character because i do spend a lot of time with a lot of men and you uh, always bring a smile to my face man i appreciate mm. you brother thank you for being here thank you luke man i love you man love you too man if you got some value out of this podcast, if you want to learn more about how Jorge can help improve your life and your lifestyle, we'll go ahead and put the comments in the show notes, but just let everybody know what is your social channels and the website. So uh, for the technology, the biohacking technology lifestyle guidance that we give is at Universal Healing and Wellness. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, for the coaching that I do, Mentality Fitness Nutrition, on Instagram and Facebook. But um, what we really like to do is for, especially anybody who's local, uh, I'd love to show you that this technology really works. And anybody who's listening to this can get a free session. You go to either the link in bio, send me a message, whichever way you like to contact us. If you go to the link in bio, a little quiz, give me info about your pain that you're dealing with, fill out your contact info. I'll reach out and get you in. Beautiful. And if you do want to come and spend some time here in beautiful Scottsdale on the next 60 days, the best weather of the year in the country, April 9th and 10th, May 20th, and 21st, we will have a crucible here, a two-day training event for men to empower them, to educate them, and to inspire them to become the greatest possible versions of themselves. And you can spend some time with Coach Jorge. Thank you guys for being here today. Peace. Peace. Peace.